0: Welcome, welcome to Real Stories Podcast. We're back, Graham and Brian. Brian, I have a question for you. Shoot. Who is the only American military officer to ever be burned at the stake? Uh,
1: That's a great question, Graham. You had me. I I, I had a pretty good lead on it until you said burned at the stake. So uh, I don't know. Well, I, are we going to find out today?
0: We are going to find out. Um, Brian and I are going to tell uh, the story of Colonel William Crawford, who in 1782 was burned at the stake in just outside of Upper Sandusky, Ohio, in between Upper Sandusky, Ohio, and Carey, Ohio today. Uh, nice little bedtime story. should be fun. It is a good bedtime story. Uh, Brian and I got to know uh, a lot about this stuff from... A good buddy named Ted Bruner, who we spent a day with a couple years ago on the Colonel Crawford trail. We did. Yes. But uh, let's not tell them about that just yet. Let's wait until after
1: they've heard the story.
0: Agreed. All right. So stick around and we'll tell the story of the burning of Colonel William Crawford. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Sounds great.
1: Okay, here we are back with the Real Stories podcast. Graham, thanks for uh, fading the music out. Nice, nice job there. You can hear that,
0: huh? I I can. Yeah, (laughs) it
1: sounds great. Um, And we'll get to the credits on the music here in a little bit.
0: We have lots of credits with this story because we've Brian and I have been interested in this for a long time, as have a lot of people from our area. Because this is another northern you know, Ohio story. That's
1: a great point, Graham. Yeah. We have grown up here in Wyandotte County and the story of Colonel Crawford has, has always been kind of the, the, uh, beware because this could happen to you kind of story. <laughs> I don't know that I ever felt like I was going to get burned at the stake it was always the worst case scenario or right my ears chopped off no (laughs) but it was always the worst case scenario
0: it was and i think uh you know i teach history and and when you start looking this, this is pretty much the first european american you know white american story that happens in this area really in in anywhere much west of Eastern Ohio. I mean, there's no Simon Kenton; those guys that were here. Yeah, no, no, no. They, I'm, I'm, not, know,
1: I'm not disagreeing with you. I, my my silence is uh, think about it. I had to think about that for yeah, a second. He's, yeah. he.
0: I mean, the story almost lends itself to being like, yeah, he this, don't come here. <laughs> yeah. This is not a safe place for people who want to be at all hostile. The Wyandotte Indians, who didn't do this, but this was, it happened on Wyandotte. Well, they, in they, Wyandotte. they burnt Colonel Crawford. The Wyandotte Indians did not burn Colonel Crawford. With the the, the Delaware. Delaware Indians burnt Colonel Crawford. Cur- the, there's so much about the story that can go. There's a lot. He, he, you know, that people don't know about. So let's just start at the beginning. Like, picture. We, it. he's not from here. Picture for one. It uh westmoreland
1: county virginia 1722 (laughs) yeah it's uh it's not quite sicily
0: no but it is westmoreland county which is important he's born in westmoreland county virginia in 1722 so colonel crawford isn't from ohio he's not he literally is here for a couple days
1: nobody in 1722 was
0: from From Ohio. ohio correct Yes, well played on the stereo there. Uh, yeah, Westmoreland County, and you know that's slightly debatable. Debatable. I've seen him from Orange County, Berkeley County, and Spotsville County, but I'm pretty sure he's from Westmoreland County, which is significant because it is close to Fairfax County, where George Washington's from, and also Lord Fairfax, um, of the Fairfax family.
1: Oh yeah, Fairfax County, Virginia.
0: Yes, he. Uh, his, you know, he's got like the uh, what seems to be the typical childhood of. People growing up in this era, his dad dies when he's three. His mom, there's so much in this story because his mom actually marries their indentured servant after his father died.
1: but his mom his mom was, uh, I don't want to say wealthy but 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 was a woman of means, right?
0: They had land. yeah, yeah. they they owned a farm, so they weren't poor. No, they, no, they, they, they were weren't not scraping by. Yeah correct Well, which almost could be just known by the fact that he becomes an officer. And they, I that, mean, that's
1: where, that's why I'm asking. These yeah. They, yeah. These, yeah.
0: So, yeah. So his mom, you know, marries his indentured servant. And then after that, I was like in childhood, you know, that, that is a fairly normal frontier. Uh, it's like not really the frontier, but it is moderately West.
1: He, he grew up in that area, but he knew, um, Martha, Martha Washington's family. Right.
0: Uh, I I've heard that, um, she's from Kent County, uh, which is about 40 miles south of there. It's certainly plausible. And there are obviously real stories, um, that back that up. So, uh, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He knows all of them. He and George Washington, I would say are, are buddies. I you know well. I well, don't know if I go to the friend zone. They, I don't know how many friends George Washington had. Well, I, I think but, I
1: think this early. I I think it's it's safe to say that they weren't friends. But but later yeah. on, certainly they were friends. They knew each other. Yeah. They spent time together. They they spent time canoeing together.
0: Yeah, they did. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll get to that. So he in 1744 he marries Hannah Vance. She becomes Hannah Crawford. But
1: Hannah was a. Was she a friend of Martha Washington's? There is a, there's a connection.
0: There, there is a connection. The there is a connection. We'll 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 put we'll an addendum that on Sorry. that. Yeah. Um. And they buy a farm, uh, sixty four acres, and they bought it for sixty four pounds. They bought sixty four acres for sixty four pounds. Dollar a pound. pound and pound, and pound an where they bought, butts right up against the Fairfax, farm, which to call it a farm is not even the, the Fairfax generally plantation plantation. Okay, probably a yeah. Safe way. Uh, there are 30 plantation homes on the Fairfax property. Oh, so we're talking, it's an empire. I mean, yeah. it is like an old shire, uh, or almost think like feudal. No, you it, know, it's,
1: it's a fiefdom.
0: It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he lives right beside it. And in about in 1750, He leases some land from the Fairfax family. And when he wants to lease it, they start talking about how much he will lease. And he says, well, I actually dabble in surveying surveying." and he, he surveys the property. They also have a young chap younger than Crawford who is there. I think he's a little younger, like two years younger, George. I think so.
1: I was thinking he was uh, four or five years older, but I, Oh, you could be right. Oh, you're doesn't right. Doesn't matter.
0: When was Washington born? We'll I, come back to I that later.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He has like two birthday years. No, he has two birthday dates. January 19th, Isn't the 17th, that, uh, the 11th. He was born on February 11th, but now his birthday is February 22nd because they've changed from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar during his, when he was like 30. I
1: reserve right to comment on that.
0: Yeah. We'll Google it. We'll Google it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't have my laptop in front as, of me right now. Graham and I just decided to, to record We're this. spitballing this one. Yeah. Um, it,
0: as fate would have it, George Washington, wh- however old he was mm-hmm. at this time, people listening are probably like, Oh, I know exactly how old he is. Uh, as fate would have it, George Washington is also doing surveying work. Or the Fairfax family, they know each other. Four years later, the French and Indian War breaks out. When that happens, he serves alongside Washington during the entirety of the French and Indian War. Was Crawford, there at the battle, Colonel yeah. Crawford was there at the Battle of the Wilderness when mm-hmm. Brad- when Braddock uh, Braddock's was killed. Mm-hmm. Washington takes over. I don't think he was at Fort Necessity, but he was. I don't think he was either. I don't think so. I, I remember reading
1: the battles he was in, and I, necessity doesn't come up. Uh, I don't. Uh, he wasn't in Fort William Henry.
0: Uh, no, it, but he did fight with Washington for a while, yeah, yeah. and uh, in the end, he is granted some land for his services. And because he's a surveyor, that was all. Everything was so interconnected with like how they were giving people what he money. could he could survey land and so they gave him land he he was given land in western pennsylvania knowing that that was the frontier there was going to be need to control indian lands cuz after the, the french and indian war uh you know the proclamation of 1763 said that you couldn't settle west of basically the appalachian mountains so they needed people out there but but the proclamation of 1763
1: was written by
0: george yeah parliament george the third right king george
1: yeah um it it just it it didn't it it didn't hold like it obviously it held the weight of law but but it wasn't oh like if you went a little bit further west every year king george isn't going to complain if his kingdom increases no
0: no so so he moves out west and he lives, uh, you know, in Western Pennsylvania. Western Pennsylvania, out west. He he gets a lot of gigs surveying in this area. Uh, in 1768, the Iroquois Nation signed the Treaty of Fort Stanwix, and that opened up the the eastern bank of the Ohio River Valley to so, white settlement. So basically, into that's 1768.
1: Yep. Okay, so that's in that's through like uh, like. Uh, the, it'd be like the finger, finger Lakes to Pittsburgh. Yeah, down yeah.
0: past Pittsburgh and all the way through down Pennsylvania, and like in yep. northern Kentucky, it yeah. opened up parts of northern Kentucky. That's that's yeah. how you ended up with Youngstown,
1: uh, Madison. I think is over there. Young Youngstown, Akron. Yeah. Well, that's like, West Bank.
0: This is East
1: Bank but, of the Ohio. But, but eventually, that, but that's yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, like the, the the transportation route started in Pittsburgh. And I I can trace all the steps for you, but yeah, no, I get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, he, he does that. So he's dealing with native American lands and, and rights. And so his really his profession, if we, if he had a profession today, other than farmer, it would be that he was a native American land negotiator by this point, going down through these villages. And he does get involved in like Lord Dunmore's war in 1774. Uh, Virginia governor and the Mingo Indians. There's a famous, uh, the Logan's lament that happened. (laughs) Yeah. Where Logan, who is there to mourn for Logan? Not one. Uh, (laughs) That's actually probably Crawford's, uh, in some ways, his demise was that he was involved in Lord Dunmore's war because that's one thing that's going to come back to haunt him uh, towards the end of this story. Anyway, then he joins the American Revolution. He, he's with George Washington again. He's at the Battle of Long Island. He crosses the Delaware into Trenton on Christmas Day with Washington. He's at the Battle of Princeton. And then in 1777, he's transferred to Fort Pitt out yeah. on the West, which is where everybody would want to be if you ask me. Uh out where most likely nobody's going to bother, you know, it's like, uh. it's, it's fairly safe. Yeah. Yeah. Relatively.
1: Oh, comparatively speaking. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's safe. It's safer than
0: Saratoga. It's like if you join the air force right now and they're like, Oh, you're going to be stationed in Florence, Italy or New Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yep. I'll be fine. So anyway, uh, then in 1781, he's 59 years old. And he retires during the war. Yeah. Uh, he, well, he, he, he had had his time. Oh, absolutely. He, yeah, he, good for him. Me. I mean, he's old. He's an old guy now. Yeah. I mean, you he was know, he's a, not he, a young chap. He's an old colonel. Yes. And there are 14-year-olds fighting, you know, <laughs> in that war. I mean, Crusty he's- the old colonel. Yes. So he retires. He's in Pittsburgh and goes back home. And that should be the end of the story of Colonel Crawford. But as we know- He's gonna get called back into service, and we're gonna take a very quick break. We'll have a quick word from our past sponsors, and we'll come back. Okay. Uh All right. Hey guys, we are back, and uh, Brian and I were just talking, and I just decided we might as well just go on air. So, um, so yeah. So, so far we've just kind of introduced who Crawford was. He's from Virginia, Um, but we want to stress he and Washington are buddies, right? He and he and Washington are
1: are basically like you and I, Graham, like like if there's if there's something to do, uh, obviously, we're going to take care of our families first. But when it comes to doing things with somebody, they're going to seek each other out. So uh, Crawford served under Washington in two wars. Right. Yeah. And then he retired. And then, and then Washington came to Crawford because because Crawford was retired and Washington wasn't because Washington was ten years younger.
0: He was so Brian and I checked this out, and he, George Washington was born in thirty two, and Crawford in twenty two. So there's a ten year difference. Washington is a young man, but from a much uh, more prestigious family. Yeah, right. And but he, but he
1: still sought out Colonel William Crawford.
0: Correct, and yeah. I I think from what I know of George Washington, uh. P- pretty stand-up guy. I oh, mean, I, I mean, I mean, like on. like
1: like politicians uh, aren't always generally revered. Yeah. Uh, appropriately,
0: he, he might not. He he wasn't the smartest guy of our oh, founding fathers He was the fathers. tallest guy. He was the tallest guy. <laughs> he also was the most stand-up dude. He he's that guy. Well, he's that guy.
1: He he certainly right? is the kind of guy that you probably wouldn't have minded your daughter dating.
0: Yeah. And so that's how I mean you even mentioned that story in 1770. He he makes sure that all these guys after the French and Indian War are gonna get their land grants.
1: He commissioned he commissioned to work to uh to to, to explore into the Ohio country so that so that the people who fought during the French and Indian War were Given their land grants, because because after the war ended, they still hadn't. There there was no commissioning done, and Washington made sure that the commitment was done to the people who fought the battles that these land grants into the Ohio country would be taken care of. Actually happened and actually happened. So what he did was he went to Colonel Crawford and said, you know, we we have to do this. I know you're an amateur amateur slash
0: professional.
1: Uh, surveyor. Yeah,
0: probably not an amateur at this point. There was I mean, no licensing, obviously. Yeah, he's yeah. a surveyor. It's
1: not like today where like you can get it. Uh, and and Crawford
0: licensed. helped survey all that land to yeah. Crawford established survey all the land
1: from basically the, uh, is it the Yogahaney on the Allegheny? Yeah, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> so it's the Yogahaney on the Allegheny I River. I think they
0: call it the yoke down there. I, okay. can, I, I whitewater rafted on the yoke one time.
1: Uh, into the Ohio River Valley and down to what is present-day Point Pleasant, Ohio. And if Point Pleasant, Ohio sounds familiar, it's because that's where the Mothman Prophecies movie dun, dun,
0: dun. <laughs>
1: allegedly took place. Or,
0: or well, The movie did take the, place. The though. movie took place
1: there, yeah. sorry. Yeah, the story... Um,
0: it, the real story of the moth—that's a real story, also. Well, the legend of the Mothman, yeah. It's it's a
1: it's a real story for a different type of podcast, for a different time.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Crawford and Washington—they go on a canoe trip down the Ohio, which is a sweet story in and yeah. of itself. We could do a whole show probably on that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, and and we can come back and talk about that. They do end up at like the canal mouth of the Kanawha River, Point Pleasant. I'm pretty sure now, if you take fifty all the way down you end up crossing right around there, right? You cross the Ohio River right near the Kanawa River because I think you cross the Ohio and then almost immediately cross the Kanawa. It, it's in the area. I, and I might I, be butchering yeah, Kanawa, you know, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know the area
1: well enough to, uh, I, I guess I, I should know the roads, but I, I don't know the roads
0: well sure. enough to yeah. comment. We'll forgive you for, for that. Thanks. So... <laughs> So Colonel Crawford is retired, and he's now moved out with his wife Hannah, and they have some kids, and they are living on in on the frontier in Pennsylvania. And the war, ob- ob- obla di, obla da. Life goes on. Life goes on, and his he's living pretty good life. He fights in the war. He's retired. He's fifty eight years old. Yeah, when he retires, I think he's like fifty eight or fifty nine years old. Yeah, and. He is, you know, living on the frontier. And so I think we should just real quick talk about what is going on in Ohio. Because, you know, nothing. like Washington and Crawford what, and what these guys. What year is it? 17? 17... Let's call it. It's 1781 is where we're gonna... You know what's going on in Ohio? Nothing. Yeah, well, a lot, though, but nothing that, you know, we know of. Uh, well, I mean, I, there's I mean, a lot of Indian Native American tribes doing their thing, living daily lives, creating real stories, doing sure. stuff. Yeah, but yeah, there's no. I mean, Simon Kenton and Simon Gertie are here. Are are living are frontiering it in Ohio at this time. And other than that, I'm not sure, you know, probably not much else. We're still a few years from Marietta being a city, a See, town. Yeah, so, so Marietta was the first
1: city basically in, in Ohio, right? It's generally observed as being the recognized yeah. Oh, yeah. as the first city. And that was 1788.
0: Yeah. So we're before then. Yeah. So in so, Ohio, uh,
1: it's all frontier trading post at best.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Just frontier, like Marietta in 1788, which actually was called Adolphia originally. Uh, it was called Adolphia and renamed to
1: Marietta later on in honor of Marie Antoinette and the French assistance during the War of
0: 1812. Nice, well done. Look at us go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Founded by uh, Rufus Putnam. I read um, David McCulloch's book called The Pioneers, and it was all about Rufus Putnam founding. Marietta, Adolfia, and all that stuff. So, interesting Ohio story that we could obviously dive into a bunch mm-hmm. more later. In Ohio, the tribes are split, which a lot of usually happened in these mm-hmm. wars, was the tribes would split on who they favored, who they wanted to win. And so, between the English and the French. Yes. Basically. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Moravian praying Christian Indians generally at this time, kind of favored the Americans. Uh, the Wyandotte and the Shawnee, who live in Wyandotte County, Hardin County, this area, in our area, they favor the British. They are pro-British by this point. They've been mad at the Americans since the murder of Cornstalk uh, in yep. 1777.
1: So, so, so let's talk real quick. Uh, so this is 17, uh, 17... 81 is where we're at. 1780, we'll say. Uh, yes. up to this point there has been 200 years of French imperialism into Canada and through Quebec into Yeah, but uh, the
0: French imperialism, it was like
1: trading. But but, yeah. but but let me let me let me set this up. So imperialism into Quebec and into Toronto. So the Native American tribes who a, a lot of the Native American tribes that were in this area had experience with them over two uh centuries of trading and the the Wyandots in particular had moved down here from the north shore of Lake Huron where the French had heavy influence in. Yes. So they had been moved out and basically the British attempted to side with the the Huron and Wyandot populations and say, "Yes,
0: we don't like the French either." Yeah right. Oh, it's all yeah. enemy of your enemy is your friend right. type stuff. So,
1: so so that's why there's this this uh, this this dichotomy of the the English and the Native Americans and the French and the revolutionaries or or however you want to explain it. So yeah, no, I yeah, yeah agreed. It
0: it is, I think the most important lesson I've learned in my years of studying history and talking about it and listening to people uh is that history is so much more complex everything is no, so complex nothing happens in a vacuum no and and the, everything the history is
1: a system and and and, oh. and anybody who understands systems understands that one one uh influence can impact the rest of the system yeah so the dutch with new york and the french with uh and these are all contemporary influences of the time, so so these all have to be taken into consideration when you're talking about anything uh be, because the the Dutch were in New York, the French were coming down from the south, the English were kind of coming up from the or coming down from the the, the French were coming down from the north. The English were kind of coming up from the south,
0: well, the English were all around I mean yeah. and, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, but they were always kind of lurking uh oh, always always sticking around I mean, to just needle and we could
0: we could do an entire season on just trying to sort out native american alliances right. and what was best for them and how how history could have happened better there there was just a lot them.
1: going on with the french the dutch the uh english the the Scots, even at the time, and, and even to a lesser degree, the Germans, um, they were all trying to, and and the, and the Spaniards, they were all trying to establish footholds into North America. That at that point were were just not uh, uh, defined. they, they, no. they were, there was no way to know who was who was really anywhere other than.
0: Well, um, we, we put a flag there yeah, nine right. years ago and, and we told the Pope about it. We, so yeah, that's right. ours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Italians. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's super, it's deep and complex to try to sort out who was on what side, but the Delaware Indians were, who lived in Eastern Ohio. Like today, if you go to new Philadelphia, Youngstown, uh, that area, you're in sort of Delaware, that's Delaware territory. And they came all the way over and the mingo are the part of the Delaware, a lot of Eastern and Northeastern Ohio is Delaware land. And they had been pro uh, American. They had been, they're pretty close to Fort Pitt. They're pacifists. The Delaware Indians are pacifists. And so, Generally, pacifist. generally correct. Yeah, as we'll find out, unless provoked. Yes, and which I think makes them awesome. That's kind of yeah. where I think society's always been trying to head is like, let's be BA enough that we can be pacifists, right? Kind of like what John Wayne was always. He didn't never want to never want to fight, but I'll you know if you bring one to me type thing. I, I'm not as good as I once was, but,
1: but I'm as good once as I ever was. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yes, but basically, like I, it's I the know. same. Yeah. It's the same principle. Like like I I might not be able to uh, win as many fights as I used to, but I'm going to give you everything I have once.
0: Yes. So it's 1781, the Delaware in northeastern Ohio. And Fort Pitt is controlled by America at this point. And Fort Detroit is controlled by the British and the British have a plan that they want to move down from Fort Detroit and take Fort Pitt, but they don't want to have to go through Delaware land. So they begin a process of trying to scare the Delaware out of there. And that's where the Wyandot center. Chief Dunquat.
1: (laughs) There is a Dunquat, Ohio, about 12 miles away from us. That is this. It's not a. I don't want to say a strange little town because there's nothing strange about it. It's just, it's one of those little towns that used to be something that is uh, now struggling, I I guess is the best way to describe it. And when I say town, I mean. The population of Dunquat might be eight hundred.
0: Oh man, i I you think I would have no. guessed that it's like nine houses or something. I, th- I
1: think Wharton is eight hundred. So yeah, yeah, no
0: Dunquat. I I don't even. I mean Dunquat's yeah, no like real an town unincorporated. There. Yeah. You know, it's just there's a sign there that says you're going through Dunquat. Yeah, but you're. It's right on two thirty one. It is. It's yeah. close to where the Kirby tire fire happened. It is close which to there. could be a whole other real story yep. uh, of our area. About three, so, three miles west of, or east of Sycamore. So Dunquat is also known as the half king. And oh. he is the king here, uh, or he's the, the chief here of um, Old Town, which is called what's called Pipestown. Uh and in 1781, the British come down, and they convince Dunquat to go to this Delaware village at Gnagahooten,
1: Nadhooten.
0: Yeah, however you want to say G-Nad-Hooten. that. Gnadhooten. Yeah. Yes, Gnagahooten. If
1: there is somebody out there listening that can tell us, that, we'll- that can email us, we will... We will figure out a way to make you our first caller if you can give us the correct pronunciation of that word.
0: Yes, Uh G-N-A-D-E-N-H-U-T-T-E-N. Go to our website,
1: uh, realstoriespodcast.com. Be the first person to email us wherever it goes. We don't even know yet. <laughs> Reach out to us if you're listening. Tell us how to say that correctly because this is something
0: that Graham and I have tongue-in-cheek argued over for yeah, 20 years. And I don't know. I, I, I don't mean, either. I have no idea yeah. how you say that name. Yeah. So tell us. So uh, Dunquat is convinced uh, by General Irvine out of Detroit that to go to the Delaware and convince them that they're not safe there and that if they stay there, the bad news. And, and Dunquat doesn't, I don't think Dunquat's in on this, that like, it, it's just like, Hey, look, We're going to go through there. You and those Delaware friends, you should just get them out of there. That way, when we come through there, if the Americans come out and there's a battle in that area, they're not part of the aftermath. And so for whatever the motivation there was, I think we can, there's lots of conjecture and who, you know, what all was happening.
1: What what you guys can't see is I'm looking at Graham across the table and I'm kind of grimacing as he's telling the story because there certainly are several things I could say. But as soon as he ruled out conjecture, you're right. It's true. It's yep. just
0: like that's, you know, the. Don't
1: read more into it than what the facts are there for.
0: Again, these are just real stories. And, you know, there's. Well, lots. I, I think this is a, I think this is a good opportunity, though, to. You
1: know, we, we all want to uh, make things grandiose and we want to we make the Hollywood version of something. But sometimes days just happened and nothing was really extraordinary. Yeah. It and maybe then, maybe and it didn't go that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure QAnon has a whole plan about what General Irvine was thinking and, and who all was involved. Sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> so Dunquat does this, though. Um, he goes to the Delaware in eastern Ohio and he convinces them to come back to the Sandusky Valley where they'll be safe. And so in the fall of 1781, several hundred Delaware, and I've never gotten a firm number, but several hundred, maybe four, five hundred, I don't know, mm-hmm. come to Upper Sandusky and I believe begin start a village that is now Dunquat. I'm pretty sure that's where the Delaware villages were because they didn't come like to upper Sandusky and live in Pipestown. They brought them back and they lived in Wyandotte somewhere around here. And I, again, I've looked and I can't find, can't really find exactly where that might be. So anyway, so they're around here somewhere. And by February of that winter, and it's here we are today actually is is today the 30th, January 30th. Uh, it is January 30th uh, yeah. of 2021 is when we're filming this and uh, recording this. And so uh, right around this time, food was running low here for and, the Dot and the Delaware.
1: And, and, and we're expecting so we're expecting winter now, uh, which, which basically means that we're expecting a storm tonight. That's going to last about two days. But, but if you're the Delaware, if you're the Delaware Indians, you, you don't know a storm's coming. No. You I don't, mean,
0: they, you know, they might have a couple
1: fortune well, tellers. That well, yeah. <laughs> you know. You might. Yeah,
0: yeah. The prophet or something. But yeah, they don't know. And, and there's no food. And, for you know, they've just added population to this area. And so they send 150 people back to Nongahooten. Again, pronunciation. And to grab, they had left some crops in the fields um, and they had stuff there, corn mounds buried. And mm-hmm. they went back to get that stuff in February. And meanwhile, a Wyandotte hunting party had also been out that direction and actually crossed over the Ohio into Pennsylvania. And really, this is where like the story begins because they that wind party gets into a scuffle with a white family and kills a couple people and takes some of their things like some some trinkets evidently at least that's what williamson claims so colonel, colonel williamson colonel williamson will claim this so they those wine dots then came through it, if you're making a movie about this. It's a frontier this, war party. It's a frontier war party. And then they're heading back west through eastern Ohio. Uh, and they go through Ganongahooten and stay there for a night before the Delaware are back there. And they leave a trace. They, they were clearly, they had been there.
1: If you're going to tell me that there was a mirror or something that was clearly stolen from a white settlement.
0: I think. Colonel Williamson it was that there were like trade goods that they that's what Williamson will claim and that's how that's how they justify what's about to happen okay so so there are two stories happening at the same
1: time here uh, we have the Delaware Indians who are in Wyandotte County they are headed down to Nadhutin to try to try to get some food right because their reserves ran out every, they they have nothing um, in the meantime, Colonel David Williamson is stationed in Fort Pitt. And while he is stationed in Fort Pitt, he and his militia hear news of a war party, uh I'm assuming a Delaware war party or Huron War. I think war it party.
0: was Wy- no, it was a wind out war party. Wind okay. Yep.
1: How however it was, they were sure they knew they they had heard that this um uh, that this war party was hanging out, for lack of better terms, or lighting in Nathutin. Yep. So in the, basically in the middle of the night, uh, this militia forms, and they say they're going to go out and find these, these Indians and bring them back. So Williamson says, okay, let's go do that. And, and he essentially lets the militia lead. And in the, as they arrive at Houten, they're down there. The, the, the Indians are down there, and they effectively surround them. And and they say, you know, we're, we're taking you back to Fort Pitt with us. Surrender all your weapons. Uh, you, nothing is going to happen to you. We'll take you back. You'll receive all of your possessions as soon as we arrive back at Fort Pitt. The Delawares, being Christian, say, okay, we, we can do that.
0: They, they'd they been loyal to the Americans right. all this time. They have no reason. They have
1: no reason to doubt. To doubt. Yep. Uh, what they didn't realize was that that night... Uh, Williamson and his men were essentially plotting against him. And they had told them, they had told the Indians that they would receive all of their possessions back once they arrived back at Fort Pitt. But after discussing it a little later in the, in the evening, and I'm guessing probably drinking on it, <laughs> as, as men will oftentimes do. Agreed. Um, they decided instead that they would just kill them all, which Williamson effectively agreed to only if everybody agreed to it he, okay. he was okay with it but he wanted to make sure that everybody was on board
0: <laughs> yeah we're mm. about to murder 96 people that's exactly so, what it was so yeah. uh are we all in yeah. here everybody okay with murder murder murder, murder. <laughs> yeah so so it's not funny but it, yeah, yeah they, the, they, the way we said murder was funny that's they, what we're laughing about
1: they send a runner to uh or not a runner. They they send a liaison to the Indians and they say, "Hey, sorry, uh, basically change, change of plans. Change of plans. Yeah, we're we're gonna kill you tomorrow instead. So say your prayers, sing your hymns, do what you got to do, and uh, just make peace with God." And they all kind of were stuck in these two uh, shelters, but they they reluctantly agreed. What else are they gonna do? They have there's nobody. They're surrounded by american militia they can't go anywhere right they have no weapons they have no weapons because they've given them all up because they were naive and thinking that the militia was honest with them
0: right Um, and they're about to face what is i think one of the most brutal horrible evenings mornings in in like it's really is like a scar on american history there are lots of them this is one of them
1: it was a really, it was tragic, I think is really about probably the one, the one way to say it. So what happened the next morning is they, you know, the, the guys wake up and, and now this, this is March 8th, 19 or 1782, which is significant to me because that's my birthday, just not you- 1782.
0: <laughs> you beat me to that one. Yeah.
1: Um, it, the, the militia started getting anxious and the, the execution hadn't started yet. Um, but. Later, the Indians said, "Okay, we're ready." And the militia started grabbing them two or three at a time, with ropes around their necks, pulling them over to a building, and they'd hit them over the head with a cooper's mallet. Yeah, and uh, then they
0: which is made to like beat the leather, like the soles leather on a, a cooper's mallet. It's like a shoemaker's mallet. Yeah, correct.
1: Uh that'd be a cobbler's mallet. A cooper's mallet would be like a sledgehammer, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but wood, mm. so probably six inches in diameter, like a big yeah. chunk of wood and
0: beat these people's brains in with them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, they had locked them uh, to back up a couple hours. They'd, they'd locked them in cabins, the children and women in one cabin and the men and boys in another cabin that night. And um, the story is that, you know, they were yelling back. Cause you know, you have moms and husbands and children in different cabins that are, are yelling to each other that they love each other. And, they're they're you know basically making their peace with their spirits. This is 62
1: adults and 34 children in two longhouses yeah. basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So a horrible episode. Uh and they kill them all except two boys it seems. Two boys um, each, uh 15 16 year old
1: boys and they it wasn't for lack of effort. They, they had beat them and they kind of played dead they, they played dead yep uh, and that's exactly what happened they they played dead and um one actually ran into the cellar from what I remember and there was it was such a horrifying scene for him because he was in the cellar of this house and the blood from all of the people dying was pouring through the the floorboards and into the cellar i I mean it was just a just a bad situation altogether. Yeah,
0: and then they piled all the bodies and burned them. Uh, yeah. And I think a few weeks later, there's uh, when uh, the Crawford expedition is going to go through that area. I think there's the the bodies are still smoldering a few weeks later. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's just a nasty, nasty episode. Colonel William Crawford wasn't there. It's important to note that at this point because that will come up later. That right. He, you know. this is kind of the incident that's going to lead to the death of Colonel William Crawford.
1: And this is, this is where I, I always, uh, I I always believed something that I had heard once. And this is why stories are important to fact check Mm -hmm. Um, because the, the story was that the native Americans had the, be it the Delaware, the Wyandotte, whomever had seen Crawford at, uh, at this massacre and they said we are going to we're going to torture you based on what you did to those people but in actuality he was not there
0: right right yeah. he he's he is a colonel and yeah. they blame williamson
1: but they said they recognized him but old white men in in pre-colonial or in colonial america probably looked remarkably the same <laughs> yes so. and acted yeah, very, yeah, similar. very similar yeah so uh, so so the two boys i'll go ahead it's also also worth noting that at this time Colonel Williamson is only about 25, 30 years old. So he's a a younger man.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, So these two Delaware boys go tell the story. And the anti-American sentiment in that region kind of swells. And Fort Pitt, you know, this story comes back to Fort Pitt. And General Irvine, who's at Fort Pitt, is now like, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's, he is not happy about this. And maybe if in the side of, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, oh, okay, that's one less Indian group we have to worry about. But now they all of a sudden have resentment around Fort Pitt and Irvine writes to Washington to tell him of this. And Washington sends back and says, look, we can't lose that Ohio Valley. We need to secure that or, you know, we, we need to get that area back we need to know that that area is safe for us to travel through we need to know that the british aren't going to be able to march through there with a bunch of indians helping them and so irvine calls for some volunteers to go in to the sandusky valley um and this will become known as uh you know the the sandusky campaign the battle of sandusky and this is where kind of the whole you know this is where it's all going to begin so is it a good place to maybe take a break for episode one and should we begin episode two with the sandusky campaign yeah we can we could do that that's fine all right i think that's uh i think that's a great idea okay well everybody thanks for listening to part one of maybe three or four um episodes on the the life and death of colonel william crawford this is the real stories podcast with graham and brian And we'll talk to you guys soon.